We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope everybody had a good, safe, and happy New Year, New Year's, and uh, safe being the most important thing. But uh, on today's show, going to talk about a lot of different things. Um, I released my All-American team on New Year's Day. Uh, uh, we'll get to that. I'll talk about that a little bit. Got, of course, got to talk about the college football playoff. Got to talk about the Rose Bowl and a handful of other things. So let's let's dive right in and talk about the college football playoff. Uh, the two semifinal games <clears throat> kind of lackluster to say the least Let, let's start with um georgia and michigan now i think my issue going into this game is i'm a big i grew up a michigan fan so i've been a michigan fan my whole life and i i just feel like my fandom got in the way of uh me being logical when it came to this game um, Michigan was playing very good, yes, but they hadn't played the likes of Georgia, and I think I think the thing that needs to be brought up is all season long, myself and almost everybody else have been saying Georgia and Alabama are the cream of the crop, and it's been very apparent, um, and it was very apparent on New Year's Eve in the semifinals. But the first thing I got to say is Alabama against Georgia in the SEC championship game. That was Alabama's national championship game. They had to win that game to get there, to get the opportunity. So Alabama played their butts off, whereas Georgia knew they were in. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from what Alabama did in that performance, but Georgia definitely did not play to the level that we've seen them play all year. And we saw them against Michigan take care of business and do what they were supposed to do. I must say, I I don't think Stetson Bennett can be a national championship winning quarterback. I really don't. But he played a pretty spectacular game against Michigan. 20 for 30 for 313 and three touchdowns. I mean, that is, that's as good as it gets for him. I mean, so hats off to him because I have been hard on him. And and, and I'm still, I'll get to my prediction for the championship game after this segment here of the show. But I got to give him a little bit more credit and say maybe he can do this because all year I've said, I don't know if he can win you a national title, but with the performance he had against Michigan, 
he 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 just might be able to do it. <coughs> uh, Michigan, on the other hand, Cade McNamara was just not good um, through two picks, uh, just just not good. Michigan ran the ball 27 times, only for 91 yards. I mean, the Georgia defense stepped up and did what they did what they do, and they held Heisman runner-up Aiden Hutchinson to basically nothing. Now, I will say, I mean, he, Aiden Hutchinson was double-teamed, triple-teamed that whole game. So I, I, I have to... I have to at least give him the benefit of the doubt there. But at the same time, you're a big-time player, second in the Heisman, potential number one draft pick in the NFL draft coming up. You need to step up and play. Like, your team needs you in that moment. And I understand if you're being grabbed. And I've seen some pictures and during the saw some things during the game too where there were a couple times where it looked like you got hands to the face and – just different things, but I mean that's football. That's part of it. Um, if they don't call it, they don't call it. But that, like I said, it's football. That's part of the game. But uh, your best players need to step up, and that was not the case for Michigan and Georgia. Georgia stepped up. Now Michigan scored a late touchdown in the game with about four and a half minutes left, but it was thirty-four to three. I mean it was. It was ugly, and uh, like I said, I shouldn't have let my fandom get in the way. I should have logically thought about this from a prediction standpoint and said, hey, Georgia's been the team all year that everybody's been gunning for. Yeah, they didn't play great against Alabama, but Alabama knew they had to step up in that game, and they did. So... Hats off to Georgia for rising to the occasion in that game and beating a good Michigan team. I mean, just beating the brakes off of them, really. I mean, hats off to them again. Now let's talk about the other game, Alabama and Cincinnati. Now, in this game, Alabama wins 27-6. to But this game was closer than that, in my, in my opinion, until the fourth quarter. I feel like this was... This was a legitimate game. It was 17 to 6 going into the fourth quarter. Cincinnati's issue is for the game was just they they couldn't they couldn't do much offensively to to do to get going. Now their first drive of the game I was very impressed. I thought, "Wow, they're showing off. They're being physical." They're athletic. I mean, like, I'm sitting there like, wow, this actually could be a game, but you can't settle for field goals against Alabama. You got to punch it in to score touchdowns. Um, but at the same time, I was like, wow, this this could be – that first drive for Cincinnati, I'm like, wow, this could really be a, a game. And like I said, Cincinnati really made a, a game. They deserve to be there. I mean, anybody who thinks otherwise, uh, that, that was a top-four team. I mean – all four teams that made it to the playoff this year were the top four teams. They were. It's just the top two in Georgia and Alabama are superior to everyone else. I, I would even go as far to say is that that Cincinnati team would beat Michigan. I, I, I really would say I really would go that far to say that. 
<coughs> and like case in point, Desmond Ritter went 17 for 32 for only 144 yards. That's only four and a half yards per completion. I mean, that's what Alabama does to you. It, that's just point blank. That's what they do to you. So they put him in long yardage situations, and they they just they just <clears throat> were Alabama. I mean, defensively, it was exactly what you would expect. Bryce Young made some plays, throwing the ball. Um, he ran. He he. he uh, he did what he needed to do. He was a hot, he only 181 yards, but the three touchdowns, that's the game. But the guy who deserves a ton of credit is Brian Robinson Jr. 204 yards rushing. <clears throat> now we knew coming into the game that Cincinnati with sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant as uh, corners that they're, there's not many better in all of college football than those two guys. And Sauce Gardner did not allow a touchdown all year and just play, played out of his mind. I mean, that guy, that guy's going to be a heck of a pro. He's a fantastic football player. But uh, <clears throat> so Robinson had to step up, and he did for 204 yards. That, that I mean, obviously that's the game right there. Cincinnati had an extremely tough time stopping the run. The physicality of <coughs> Alabama was was put to display there because of Cincinnati is a tad bit undersized from the defensive front and the linebackers. And Alabama just throws out their all-American offensive line and – takes care of business so hats off to georgia and alabama but i i have to say and and i know i've been one of the top cincinnati supporters all season long from the beginning of the year in the preseason i said that they were going to make the playoff uh i'm glad i got that prediction right but at the same t I, I i gotta say that this team was very very deserving of being in the playoff and hats off to them for the performance they gave they, I know it's not the result they wanted, but for three quarters they hung with Alabama. They really did. So, so that leads to what's going to happen in the playoff. Now, like like I said before, Alabama knew they had to beat Georgia in the SEC title game, and they beat the brakes off of them. They really did. It unraveled quickly. Georgia is going to be ready. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to go. It's hard to beat a really, really good team twice. And that's what Alabama has to do. Now, Alabama's obviously more than capable of doing it. And Alabama's actually an underdog going into this game, which I would never make a Nick Saban team an underdog because I, I never, ever think he needs any motivation at all, especially in a championship game. But nonetheless... I think Alabama is going to come. It's going to come down to the same exact thing that it came down to in the SEC title game. Alabama's offensive line took control of the SEC championship game against Georgia's vaunted defensive line 
and the linebackers. Because, I mean, I think we all can agree Georgia's weakness defensively is their secondary. And you just throw Jamison Williams out there and Bryce Young's going to find him and they're going to make plays. Um, so, it's, to me, again, it boils down to that offensive line versus defensive line play and see where it goes from there. Um, Nicobe Dean, linebacker Georgia, needs to play potentially the game of his life. And I think he's he's obviously capable. I mean, the young man's one of the best players in America. And uh, <clears throat> I'm a huge, huge fan. He's such an intelligent player. You can go watch his film. He calls out everything for that defense. He's the heart and soul of that defense. And uh, somebody in the NFL is going to get a great linebacker who's going to be the middle of their defense for a decade plus. I mean, the young man is a fantastic football player. But I, I think the other thing that we need to look at, not if we're looking at the other side of the ball, Stetson Bennett needs to play like Stetson Bennett did in the college football playoff semifinal against Michigan where Georgia's offensive line played fantastic against a very good Michigan pass rush. Will Will Anderson's going to be coming from all angles to get to Stetson Bennett, along with all the other superstars on that Alabama defense. So Georgia's offensive line needs to have a great game too. And if Georgia's offensive line has a good, great game, then I feel like Stetson Bennett can make some plays. Now, Stetson Bennett needs to not make mistakes. He needs to control the game and manage the game correctly. He, he made some very crucial mistakes in the SEC championship game <clears throat> that, that led to the demise of the Bulldogs in that game. Now, the, the, I'm not putting that all on Stetson Bennett. The huge issue in that game was Georgia's defensive line got manhandled. That was the huge issue. But going to my prediction for the national title game, I, I am not I'm not gonna get bet against Nick Saban. I'm just not gonna do it. Um I, I think the game's gonna be very close. I think it's gonna be a very good game. Um kinda like what it was when they played the national title game a few years ago, a handful of years ago. Um it's I I just have a hard time betting against Nick Saban and everything that he's done. Um, uh, Fox College Football released something today that just amazed me. Nick Saban's record as Alabama's head coach is pretty amazing. <clears throat> His first year, 2007, went 7-6, six, no bowl game. 2008, 12-2. Lost in the Sugar Bowl. 2009, undefeated BCS National Champs. 2010, 10-3, Capital One Bowl winner. 2011, 12-1, BCS National Champs. 2012, 13-1, BCS National Champs. 2013, 11-2, lost in the Sugar Bowl. 2014, 12-2, lost in the Sugar Bowl. 2015, won the, won the Cotton Bowl and then won the College Football Playoff. 2016, won Went 14 and 1 in 15 and 16. 16 won the Peach Bowl, then lost in the college football na playoff national championship. 
2017, 13-1, won the Sugar Bowl, won the college football playoff. 2018, 14-1, won the Orange Bowl, lost the college football playoff national championship. 2019, went 11-2, won the Citrus Bowl. 2020, 13-0, Rose Bowl winners, college football playoff national champs. This year, they're 13-1, won the Cotton Bowl, about to play for another national championship. So they're going for, Saban's going for his <clears throat> eighth national title at Alabama. It, 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 I'm not I'm not going to bet against that. I'm just not. Um, <clears throat> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, I, I, I think... I think everybody wants to root for somebody who hasn't won before, but I I don't I don't have any negative things to say about Nick Saban <clears throat> from from like the standpoint like how we used to not like Tom Brady on the Patriots because they always won. I don't feel that same way about Nick Saban in Alabama. I I don't know if it's because Nick Nick Saban's charming and he's likable. Um, and I love the way he coaches personally, uh, but I, I just, like I keep saying, I'm not betting against that. I think it's going to be a tremendous football game. I think it could come down to a last possession type thing. I think Alabama wins by one score and gets the job done. So let's, let's look into, I want to look into the Rose Bowl and Talk about that a little bit. That football game on New Year's Day, that that was such a great football game. And it had anything and everything you could want. I was really, really hoping the Utah Utes would win the game. Obviously, because of my Michigan roots, I have a dislike for Ohio State. But Utah was up 35-21 to 21 at halftime. It was just... I mean, Utah couldn't have played any better, realistically. I mean, in the second half, they kind of lost, kind of ran out of gas and just things kind of unraveled. But, I mean, Cam Rising played an unbelievable football game, has two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. He gets hurt, and then all of a sudden comes in a walk-on. Bryson Barnes, who throws a game-tying touchdown with under two minutes to go in the Rose Bowl. This kid's a walk-on. He's a pig farmer, they were saying on the telecast. Like it, it, This game had anything and everything. It was just an amazing game. And, and, and I feel like every Rose Bowl is this way, as it should be, because that venue is unlike any other. But you got to tip your cap to C.J. Stroud, who threw for 573 yards and six touchdowns. And then Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who... Broke the bowl record for all all bowls receiving. 15 catches, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. Coming into the game, everybody was talking about how Chris Olave and, uh, and Mr. Wilson were, were sitting out, um, opted out, and... and and I wish I would have publicized this a little bit more, but I'm like, Jackson Smith and Jigbo might be the best of the three. And and I'm like, this is an opportunity for him 
to shine. And he absolutely did. That young man is a superstar in the making. He is a special, special talent at wide receiver. And, I mean, he he has to come back next year. Like, he's got to come back and play another year. But then the, the other guy I got to tip my hat to is Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. Way to be ready, the freshman had – Six catches and three touchdowns. He had five catches the entire season coming into the game. Now, obviously, I, I I think we all can say, like, oh, his name, he's Marvin Harrison's son. Like, yeah, obviously he can play. But And, and I know that my, the statement I'm about to make is not going to blow anyone's mind. But uh, his route running ability is is second to none. And, I mean, I I get it. His dad, Marvin Harrison Sr., was possibly the greatest route runner in the history of football. So, so obviously, we're not, we, we're not surprised by the fact that he's a fantastic route runner because he was taught by one of the greatest to ever do it. But the routes he was running in that game to get open were – Second to none. Fantastic. And Ohio State is going to be extremely good next year. Extremely good. And C.J. Stroud's performance might just make him the favorite for the Heisman next year, coming into the year. I mean, I know Bryce Young's coming back, and I know there's a certain guy who we're going to talk about later in the show who's going to be in the running too, but – C.J. Stroud was special. And if Jackson Smith and Jigba <laughs> has performances like this again, he's going to be right there in the running as well. So let's let's now go to the Sugar Bowl where Matt Corral gets injured very, very early in the game. Um, everybody was kind of up in arms on social media talking about, that's why you opt out, blah, blah, blah. Like, Matt Corral said coming into the game, and I loved this quote that he said, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing it, but he said, uh, "I wouldn't be here in this position that I'm in right now to be the the top quarterback drafted, be a top five pick probably in the NFL draft without my teammates." So his thought was, "I owe it to these guys because they helped put me in this situation." And, and and I loved that. I loved hearing that from somebody because that's what college athletics is about. You build a camaraderie with your teammates that is second to none. And, and I applaud Matt Corral for coming out and playing in that game because it could have been very, very costly. And, it, and it's sounding like he just has an ankle sprain, which thank goodness that is it because – because that injury looked very nasty when it happened live. Uh, I, I I was fearful for the worst when I saw it. So I'm very, very happy that it sounded like just an ankle sprain. But I applaud Matt Corral for playing in that football game and taking the initiative to be a good teammate. And uh, and, and, and I'm not and I'm not putting down anybody. Who opts out? I'm not. I 
you need to do what's best for you and your family. And, and I do not fault anyone who opts out at all. But I just have to applaud Matt Corral for coming out and playing to the best of his abilities and doing a great job. So hats off to him. So the next thing I want to talk about is my All-American team that I released on New Year's Day. Uh, first off, i got to give a shout-out to my good friend Jacob Elliott from uh, App Predictions uh, for making me a fantastic graphic for for the uh, for the announcement. But uh, at quarterback, I put Bryce Young from Alabama. I think uh, obvious for obvious reasons he wins the Heisman. So he's uh, the All-American at the position. Running back, I had a little bit difficult time um, because there were four or five guys that are very that were very very deserving um, I ended up going with Brees Hall from Iowa State and Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State but like I said there were a handful of other guys who were very very deserving for that position um, so I, I feel like that was the position where I had the most difficult time picking guys at tight end, I've been saying it all year. I I went with Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. There's not a better tight end in uh, in college football than Isaiah Likely from the Shants. At receiver, I went with Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, David Bell from Purdue, and Jameson Williams from Alabama. Um, again, there's plenty of other guys who are deserving at that position too, a handful of them play at Ohio State, but but those were the three I went with. Um, center, um, quite possibly the best, maybe the best center, most athletic center in the history of football. But uh, Tyler Linderbaum, Linderbaum from Iowa, um, just he's unbelievable. I mean, the things he can do. Then. Uh, at guard, I went with Kenyon Green from Texas A&M and Zion Johnson from Boston College. Then at tackle, I went with two SEC guys, Evan Neal from Alabama and Darian Kennard from Kentucky. Um, defensively, I think the defensive ends, uh, very, very obvious who the top two are. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan and Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Um, defensive tackles, I went with uh, DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M and Jordan Davis from Georgia. The linebacker positions, I think the top three linebackers this year are, it might be the best three in a season you could ever find. Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama, um, generational type talent. Uh, N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, I've already said. He might be the smartest football player I've ever seen defensively. Then Devin Lloyd from Utah, who just plays just so hard, and he's so talented, and uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of him. Then at cornerback, I went with teammates, um, Ahmad Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. I just feel like those two guys, especially Sauce Gardner, Second to none um, when it comes to DBs. And Kobe Bryant won the Thorpe Award. 
So at safety, I went with Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. And I know Kyle Hamilton missed a handful of games from Notre Dame, but there's not a better safety out there. So I went with him. Then as a just a DB all-purpose, I went with Marcus Jones from Houston. Then my special teams, I went kicker Nick Skiba from Wake Forest. Um, just unbelievable accuracy from him throughout his career. Punter Matt Ariza from uh, San Diego State. I mean, he's got a cannon for a leg. Long snapper, I went with CJ Shrimp from Coastal Carolina. And all-purpose Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, who is currently shredding LSU, I might add. But that's my All-American team. Agree, disagree, whatever it might be, let me know. Uh, hit me up at uh, the our, the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Um, let me know. Let me know what you think. But let's continue uh, with the episode. Um, with the transfer portal. <laughs> I feel like this is a uh, weekly discussion on the show, but uh, some interesting things have happened in the portal um, recently. Um, number one being potentially the biggest uh, transfer in the history of college football with Caleb Williams uh, putting his name in the portal from from Oklahoma he did say that he's still considering Oklahoma, and I, I believe that because everything that his father is saying, that everything is up in the air, all options are open. I know there's a lot of rumors going around, but I'm not buying into any of those rumors right now. Um, I really feel like he's going to take his time and weigh his options and go to the best fit. Um and the best fit is going to be whoever's going to make him, whoever he, him and his family feel is going to prepare him for the NFL. They flat out said that, and that's how I feel too. I mean, I mean, there's no doubt that Caleb Williams is going to play on Sundays. Um, in the handful of games he played this year, I mean, you could just see how special he is. Um, and there, there's... There's not very many guys who can do the things that he can do. Um, I, the short list I would say right now would be, I, I think you got to put USC in there because of Lincoln Riley. I would put UCLA as well just because, they one, they need a quarterback, but, two, the NIL money is going to be there. Um, I think LSU presents a good opportunity for him potentially. But I think one – one f option is uh, the University of Miami with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator there. Uh, Joe Brady was recruiting him heavy at LSU. So I really, really feel like uh, they could be a dark horse type team in this situation to land Caleb Williams. But that whole situation is going to be really, really interesting to see how that pans out. Then another thing with Miami is the NIL money is there too. Um, then Georgia is going to be a huge, <clears throat> huge opportunity too because he could go and compete for a national title right away. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, anytime you can get a Heisman front runner to transfer in, I mean, that's a huge deal. 
Um, but some other news in the portal. Uh, his teammate from Oklahoma, the number one wide receiver in the class of 2021, Mario Williams, also entering the portal. So that one, uh, it'll be interesting to see if if uh, if they they become like a a a partnership, and you get both of them. Another huge uh, portal entry today. Kobe Hudson, wide receiver from from uh, Auburn, he led the Tigers in receiving this year, so so that's a big deal. Um, a ton of uh, players from Louisiana have entered the portal recently. I know a lot of people are thinking they're going to end up at Florida, but only time will tell. Um, just just a lot of. A lot of things going on in the portal right now. Um, Dre Butler, um, Auburn defensive lineman, getting a ton of love recently. Um, just there's just so much going on. Dylan Gabriel today flipping from UCLA to Oklahoma. I think that I think that leads us to believe then that. Uh, um, Caleb Williams probably won't be going back to Oklahoma, but but I would never weigh it. I would never say never um, to that. So that so that one's an interesting one. I think Dylan Gabriel. I think is a really really good fit there. Um, I think he could do some good things there, and uh, they pl- they'll play up tempo. So I think it's a big deal for him there. Um, so there's just, just a lot of interesting things going on right now in the transfer portal. Um, a couple more quarterbacks entered the portal yesterday as well. It wasn't just Caleb Williams. Um, John Reese Plumley from Ole Miss, he wants to play football and baseball. Um, I would say... It's between Southern Miss and UCF for him. Hopefully, all my faithful Southern Miss fans will will get him at quarterback. I think that would be a tremendous get for them. Um, we all love the super back, but that would be a big deal. Then Jacob Cohen from UTEP, uh, one of the top receivers in the country this year, um, going home to the University of Arizona. So huge, huge get. For the University of Arizona, there, um, big time wide receiver. Um, so, really happy for them. That's a that's a huge huge deal. Um, uh, West Virginia quarterback uh, Jarrett Do- Doji entering the portal too. Be interesting to see he. He had an up and down year at West Virginia. Um, I, I, I he's one of those guys where you're just like, sometimes he looks great, and other times you're just like, oh, what do you, what's he doing? But I, I think he could, he could, he can be successful um, in the right system. <clears throat> then Grant Wells from Marshall entering the portal, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see. I think Grant Wells either ends up at Virginia Tech or West Virginia. And then why can't Jarrett Doge, Doji end up at Marshall in that situation? 
So I think that's something interesting to watch. And then uh, I already said a bunch of a lot of guys from Louisiana have entered the portal, but running back Montrell Johnson, who was a Sun Belt freshman of the year, entered the portal today as well. So uh, just a lot of interesting stuff going on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And then for my UConn segment of the show, <coughs> my frequent listeners, everybody, the people who listen frequently know I have a partnership with Sidelines UConn. Love, love what, what, they, what they have done to help me in this show and uh, the support that they've given me and Husky Nation. But I got to talk about uh, the, the um, amazing get of Taquan Roberson at quarterback for the Yukon Huskies um, transferring in from Penn State he is the highest ranked recruit that Yukon has ever got um, so it, this is a big deal and quarterback I have said with Tyler Puma that wasn't an issue but he needed to be pushed and they actually got somebody who's better potentially at quarterback now so I'm really, really excited to see what this leads to. UConn has done <clears throat> a tremendous job. Um, Coach Moore and his staff have just hit hit it out of the park with the the recruiting that they've been able to do, and they've they're flipping this thing around. And and <clears throat> I know I've been saying three or four wins, but why can't this team go six and six? I mean, they, what they've been able to do is nothing short of amazing from a recruiting standpoint so hats off to them great job um and i'm really really looking forward to not only my partnership with sidelines yukon continuing but i'm looking forward to continuing to talk about the huskies weekly and into the into the next season in years to come because it's just <clears throat> it's been amazing um so i'm excited to see <coughs> what that leads to now, I want to conclude this episode talking about, um, I'm sure everybody, at least everybody who's an avid college football fan, saw the remarks by Kirk Kerbstreet and Desmond Howard on New Year's Day before the Rose Bowl about uh, college athletes and opting out and their love for the game and a lot of different things. Now, I, I want to first say, that I'm not bashing either of those two. Um, those two are two of the best in the profession, and they're fantastic at what they do. Um, I, <clears throat> I got to first say that I think Kirk Herbstreet, the remarks that he had, I think part of it boils down to the fact that you had him do a college football playoff game that night between Georgia and Michigan, First off, you have him do college game day that morning. Then you have him do the college football playoff game at night. And then you fly him from Miami, Florida to Pasadena, California. Now, I know it's on a private jet and all this and that. But you fly him across the country after he's done all this. And the, the, the man couldn't have had more than four or five hours of sleep. And then you throw him on national television and he's got to make statements and remarks and he's exhausted and I'm, I'm not trying to just I'm not trying to def to defend him or anything but 
I, I have to say that <clears throat> there's nobody, in my opinion, who loves the college athletes more from the football standpoint than Kirk Herbstreet. Um, just because of what he's meant to for us as media members and and what he's done from a player media standpoint um but now, now let's talk about the remarks that were made of uh now i'm paraphrasing of course that uh they're saying that the players don't love the game as much and i couldn't disagree with that anymore um it, it it's very apparent to me when you watch these bowl games and how much these guys love it. Like South Carolina comes to mind with uh, with the, the young man who was just so emotional after that game. He played quarterback in the game, Dak, and he just played his heart out. He came to South Carolina to be a quarterback, moved to receiver, did a bunch of different things, and then his team needed him to play quarterback in the bowl game. He steps up, plays the game of his life. Then he's just emotional. And and you see it all the time with these bowl games. Like if everybody says there's too many bowl games, these those people are delusional in my opinion. And I think those are the people that don't love the sport and don't want to have fun. Whereas these players do. These player these players love the game. The guys that opt out are protecting themselves and protecting their future. Because of some of the injuries we've seen before. Because of what we saw with Matt Corral in the Sugar Bowl. Could have been a catastrophic injury. But thank goodness it wasn't. So that leads... To me, don't question the players and their integrity and their love for the game. Let's all just enjoy it. Enjoy the sport. Now, I will say ESPN is kind of... I don't want to say ruined our sport, the sport that we love, but they're definitely hurting it by the biases that they have um, towards the big schools and and whatnot. But at the same time, it's it's so amazing for me as somebody in the first year of a podcast and the first year of their journey of traveling across the country to go to all these games and to meet so many great people through social media because of this sport the sport that we all love and are so passionate about but then you're going to question the players love and passion for it is something i couldn't disagree with more um, just because i see it daily i see it uh, on tv i see it on social media i see it in person when i go to the games like it it, it couldn't be further from the truth guys so I just had to conclude with that. Um, again, I love Kirk Herbstreit, Desmond Howard. I love what they do. Um, two of the best in the business. I just disagree with the comments they made. But nonetheless, thank you guys so much for tuning in again tonight. Um, look forward to the national championship game on Monday night. Uh, depending on how late the game goes, I might jump on Monday night do my regular show or I might just wait till Tuesday again like tonight but we'll see how it goes but again thank you guys so much for tuning in have a good night god bless